Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of Rat Talk, hosted by your favorite rat, Marlo Friedland. As said in the conclusion segment of last week's podcast, this week I'm planning to dive into the world's largest humanitarian crisis, which is the crisis that's happening in Yemen. Since there's not a lot of mainstream media coverage on this issue, despite its significance, I first plan on explaining what the actual crisis is and how it came about, then I will cite statistics to help reveal the significance of this tragedy, and finally, I will conduct an interview with a fellow teenager who is heavily involved at the Yemen Action Club at our school. Quick disclaimer, I'm so so sorry if I pronounce any of the names and terms associated with this issue incorrectly. I looked up like actual videos of people saying the names and terms, but I'm still not sure if I'm pronouncing them correctly, and I mean absolutely no offense to anyone. Um, So I just wanted to make that clear. Okay, anyway, on to the issue. The roots of this conflict can be found in the failure of a political transition that was intended to promote stability in Yemen. Former President Ali Abdullah Saleh, who held this position in Yemen for over 30 years, was forced to resign and hand over his job to Abdurrahman Mansour Hadi, his deputy, in 2011 as a result of the Arab Spring uprising, a series of anti-government protests in the Arab world. Mr. Hadi struggled with keeping certain problems under control in Yemen, including the attacks from the jihadists, continued loyalty to the former President Saleh, unemployment, and food insecurity. The Houthi movement, a group that consists of the Zaydi Shites, a Muslim minority group, was against Saleh and fought against him in a series of rebellions during the previous decade. In 2014, however, after the political transition had already occurred, the Houthis and Saleh began secretly working together to overthrow Hadi, the president who took the position from Saleh. And eventually, many Yemenis who were disappointed by the political transition ended up supporting the Houthis and took over the capital, marking the start of Yemen's civil war, which is still ongoing. Mr. Hadi fled in March of 2015. His government actually has a temporary home in Aden, but it is quite inadequate as it cannot provide basic needs and services for its people. Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates have led a coalition to defeat the Houthis. The United States, France, and the United Kingdom have all provided intelligence and logistical support for this coalition. In August of 2015, the coalition was able to drive out the Houthis from Aden. Eventually, time skipped to July of 2016, Saleh's government and the Houthis agreed to govern Sana'a in a majority of northern Yemen, but In November of 2017, Saleh's alliance with the Houthis collapsed and he was assassinated due to clashes surrounding the biggest mosque in Sana'a. So at this point in time, the former president is dead. In June of 2018, the coalition attempted to capture Hidayda from the Houthis. This is very important to know because the port within the city is critical towards the survival of two-thirds of the Yemeni population, so this event resultantly led to even more attention and fighting. After six months of prolonged fighting and utter destruction, the Stockholm Agreement was eventually developed. This agreement concerned all parties fighting the war and had four major purposes, calling for a ceasefire and redeployment of forces, facilitating the movement of humanitarian aid in Yemen, establishing a prisoner swap mechanism, and addressing the Taiz situation, which was another city that the Houthis captured. Although the agreement of this treaty sparked hope for potential peace in Yemen, there was still a major concern about its stability. Still, though, hundreds of prisoners were released as a result of its development. In July of 2019, the United Arab Emirates, which was a huge ally of Saudi Arabia that that provided tons of support um, for this country with its resources, decided to announce 
its removal of forces in Yemen due to the sad and honestly pretty belated realization that the war had killed thousands of innocent civilians and led to the largest humanitarian crisis in the world. Saudi Arabia proposed a ceasefire during April of this year, but the Houthis rejected this effort and demanded air and sea blockades in Sana'a and Hudaida. This is essentially all of the basic information regarding Yemen that is needed towards understanding why there is now the world's largest humanitarian crisis taking place there. On to the statistics. The Yemeni civil war has resulted in 175,000 deaths and injuries that have occurred since 2015. A quarter of all people killed in the air raids during this war were women and children. The UN documents that the Saudi-led coalition is responsible for the deaths and injuries of 729 children throughout this war. 398 children deaths and injuries were from the Houthis and 58 child casualties were from Yemen's government forces. The war crimes that have been committed during this war have been absolutely destructive and, and incredibly violent. In August of 2019, the Saudi-led coalition carried out multiple airstrikes on the Houthi detention center, killing at least 200 people. This attack was the single deadliest attack of the war thus far. At least 90 of the 20,100 Saudi-led air raids within the past few years are considered to be unlawful in the eyes of Human Rights Watch and were documented to be deliberate attacks on the innocent civilians in Yemen. Thousands of civilians have died from preventable causes, such as malnutrition and lack of clean water during this war. There are 24 million people in Yemen, and about 80% of the country's population, which equates to 20 million people, is in need of humanitarian assistance and protection, 10 million people being considered on the brink of famine and suffering from extreme starvation. 2 million children are acutely malnourished in this country, and 360,000 children are struggling to survive. One of the biggest reasons as to why there is such an issue with starvation is because the, the war has accounted for a lack of resources for the Yemeni people. Ports which supply 90% of imported goods to the country are blocked off by the violence and destruction of the country's infrastructure, and the food that is available from the ports is unaffordable to most of the Yemeni population. The war has also caused a shortage of medical attention accessibility. Only half of Yemen's medical facilities are functioning, 20 million people don't have access to adequate health care, and 18 million people don't have access to adequate sanitation and clean water. Additionally, the war has prompted the largest recorded cholera, which is a bacterial disease spread in water outbreak in history, with about 3,895 reported deaths and 2.2 million cases since October 2016. The country's economy, which was already considered to be fragile before the war, has spiraled downwards and has thus worsened the humanitarian crisis. Hundreds of thousands of families have no regular source of income. For me, all of this information was very difficult to process all at once, but thankfully, I was able to interview Catherine, the national president and coordinator of the Yemen Action Club at our school, who offered a ton of insight into the complexities of this issue and definitely helped me understand it much better overall. On to the interview questions. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, so I know we've been chatting a bit beforehand, but I just wanted to clarify that you are the national president and coordinator for the Yemen Action Club, correct? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Can you tell me a bit about, like, a bit more about what your position in the club entails? Yeah, sure. So, um, back last year um, towards the middle of last year when we first founded the club mm -hmm. it was just kind of like getting everything together specifically like in dc and then um over this summer and towards the beginning of this year we branched out to find people to start chapters of yemen action club in other cities 
Mm -hmm. Um, So I kind of oversaw like the implementation of chapters into other cities while also um, managing an active role in the DC chapter. What other cities um, have like this club been implemented in? Um, The ones that are active, we have a really big active chapter in um, just like across Virginia. And then we have one in Miami, one in Chicago, one in LA, one in um, San Jose, California. Um, And then we have several that are less active, but those are the more active ones. That's awesome. So um, how did you find out about this issue and like what inspired um, you to lead this club? Yeah, so I do public forum debate. And last year in February, our topic was um, arms sales to Saudi Arabia. And um, one of the biggest arguments on the topic was that arms sales to Saudi Arabia led to uh, just like the absolute bombing and like desecration of Yemen. Um, So that was kind of like my first introduction to it, if I'm being honest. I hadn't really heard about it before. Yeah. Um, And I think this is generally a problem with a lot of debate. People will hear about something terrible, you know, happening across the world, and they'll talk about it in their debate rounds, and they kind of forget about it. Right. And especially with this topic, that didn't really, like, sit well with me, so I wanted to do something about it. That's awesome. Okay, so um, one of the biggest concerns that teenagers tend to have in regards to this issue is that there's, like, a lack of press slash media attention. Why do you think um, mainstream media has overall failed to talk about the crisis in Yemen. Yeah, so I will preface this by saying that that was definitely very true, like, in the last year. Um, There has been a lot of coverage now. Um, First of all, because, yeah, it kind of went viral recently. Right. Which is, you know, it's sad that it took that for it to get coverage, but at least, you know, now now we're talking about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then secondly, the pandemic hit Yemen very hard. So now there's a lot of press coverage specifically concerning COVID-19 and its effects in an already war-torn country. Um, But I think uh, the reason that we didn't see a lot of press coverage prior to that is that it's very uncomfortable to acknowledge the U.S.'s role in the crisis Mm -hmm. um, because we are basically fueling it. Um, It's hard for our own media outlets and our own citizens at some level to accept that we are doing this and then fight for a change. All right. So that kind of leads me to my other question. Do you think that the United States has a responsibility to intervene in this war? Um, And if so, what should our country do to minimize the amount of violence occurring within Yemen? Yeah. So I think our responsibility is to get out of this war kind of. So right now um, we Basically, what happens right now is that private U.S. companies sell bombs to the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, and that is facilitated by the U.S. government. Um, We sell billions and billions of dollars, hundreds of billions of dollars of arms to Saudi Arabia. Mm -hmm. Um, Saudi Arabia, around 70% of their weapons come from the United States, and they turn around and they use those weapons to bomb Yemen. Right. So without our weapons, um, they would be faced with a very hard dilemma of they have a very short stockpile of weapons left so that it w- they would have to basically immediately switch over their entire weapon system to work with some um, other country's system. Um, so essentially that's a long-winded way of saying, I believe our responsibility in this war is to stop selling weapons because I believe that 
U.S. weapons are the only reason that this war is happening. Right. And that I'm actually going to skip over a question because um, this kind of correlates with, you, with what you just said. Mm-hmm. The United States has an established alliance with Saudi Arabia, who is like, you know, very involved in this war. Yeah. Do you think that we should like change our status with them as a result of like the amount of violence that they've promoted during this war? What do you think on this? Yeah. So I believe that our alliance with Saudi Arabia has really emboldened them to take these stance in this war that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, last year, Saudi or last year or the year before Saudi Arabia, like brutally dismembered an American permanent resident, a journalist named Jamal Khashoggi with literally yeah. with a bone saw. Um, and the reason that Mr. Khashoggi was killed was because he was speaking out against the war in Yemen. Uh-huh. Um, I think that our alliance with Saudi Arabia at this point really only serves as a tacit approval of the actions they are taking. And it is time for the U.S. to make a decision. If we are going to continue supporting this war, we can't keep doing it and have this kind of like idea that we're morally above the war, that we're disconnected from it. Because really, we are driving this war. Mm-hmm. So we either have to like endorse that full-throatedly and be okay with the consequences of it or reevaluate our entire relationship with Saudi Arabia. Okay. Wow. Okay, thank you. Um, and so I'm going to go back to the question that I skipped. Um, when researching this issue, I noticed that there was a lot of disagreement regarding the effectiveness of the Stockholm Agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think it has been effective? Um, and if not, is there like an alternative solution that you think could be used to kind of lessen the tension and violence between opposing parties involved in this war? Sure. So the Stockholm Agreement was the the most effective of many failed ceasefires. Mm-hmm. That's the way to put it. Um, there have been many, many failed attempts at power-sharing governments um, to make peace in Yemen. So my personal opinion is that diplomacy w- will never work in this specific crisis okay. because um, I think Saudi Arabia views it as an existential conflict. Uh-huh. They view it as like, okay, because uh, a lot of people view the rebel group fighting against Saudi Arabia as like you're an Iranian proxy. So for Saudi Arabia, a lot of Saudi people view it as a fight against Iran in their own backyard. Um, So for that reason, I think as long as Saudi Arabia has the ability to continue fighting the war, they're never really inclined to stick to a diplomatic solution that will work. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So um, what can students do to promote positive change for Yemen? Oh, okay. Thank you for asking. There's a top. <laughs> well, um, the first thing you can do and the most the simplest is call and write your legislators. Mm-hmm. Um, I can send you the link to the script that awesome. I have. Yeah, yeah. that would be great. Yeah. Um, so then the next thing you can do is obviously when it is safe with the pandemic. Um, protesting is a really good way to get media attention and media coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. The next thing you can do is um, kind of check where your money is held. Um, can you so, like elaborate a bit on that? Yeah. So um, this is a little complicated, but 
the reason that, or one of the reasons that these U.S. companies make these deals with Saudi Arabia is because it is so profitable. So specifically, like I'll use the example of Lockheed Martin. Mm-hmm. Um, Lockheed Martin sells hundreds of billions of arms to Saudi Arabia. Um, and so we can't really control that side of the deal. But what we can control is where they get all of the revenue to make those bombs in the first place from the U.S. So like, for example, Bank of America holds a $2.8 billion share in Lockheed Martin. So if you hold money in Bank of America, you are entitled to write a letter to the chief investment officer of the bank and say, I don't agree with what Lockheed Martin is doing. They are directly contributing to the slaughter of children in Yemen. Um, I will consider divesting my money and going to another financial institution if you continue to support them. So one person doing this really doesn't have an effect, right? That's quite small. But a lot of people doing this at the same time changes the decision-making calculus for the bank because it's not really worth it anymore, right? Because you could just Mm -hmm. invest in another company that's just as profitable, but much less controversial. Right. Okay. I see what you mean. That's awesome. Thank you so, so much for your time. This was really informative. Thank you. And if you, um, or you or whoever, just anybody has any questions, you can always reach out to me. I'm very happy to talk about the subject. All right. Uh, is there a certain way that you would want other people to like reach out to you, like via certain platforms or anything? Yeah. Um. So, um, people can probably messaging me on Facebook is the easiest way, and my Facebook is just mm-hmm. the name Catherine Dwyer, or people can also um, email me at k dot rose dot dwyer at gmail dot com. Awesome. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. All right, bye. All right, so as you guys can probably tell based off of how the interview with Catherine went today, she has a ton, and I mean a ridiculously high amount of knowledge about the crisis that's happening in Yemen. The fact that she's established a club that's highly recognized across the entire country that has the the intent of promoting change and um, awareness for this issue is phenomenal. And I strongly encourage anyone who has any sort of confusion about the issue or what she said to contact her. She gave me so much information. I literally feel like my brain has quadrupled in size. And I just think that it's well worth your time to contact such a credible person. And I'm super appreciative for her time on the show today. Thank you so much again, Catherine, um, for participating in this week's episode of Rat Talk. You were phenomenal. Okay, anyway. So, As I listened back to the interview, I realized that Catherine definitely makes it a huge point to emphasize the importance of withdrawing our influence um, in the war and stopping the sales of arms to Saudi Arabia, who we supply 70% of their arms to, in order to minimize the amount of violence that's occurring in Yemen, because Saudi Arabia uses the weapons that we give them to commit acts of violence and destruction against the people of Yemen. And I realized that a lot of people, after hearing our Um, interview today may think, well, why haven't we withdrawn from our allyship with Saudi Arabia if they're doing all of this stuff to Yemen? And I realized that the main reason or the main series of reasons as to why this hasn't happened yet is because Saudi Arabia is definitely considered to be a very critical ally to some. For example, they have a huge, huge, huge impact on the global economy and the global energy market because of their 
production of oil um, and the presence of oil in their country. It used to be higher, but 11% of the oil that our country has is from Saudi Arabia. So they have a huge impact and oil is considered to be a very, very, very um, critical resource in all countries. So the fact that they have a control over the supply um, and shipment of this source is very, very, very important to know. And also they have a huge amount of insight um, on counterterrorism intelligence against Iran, who our country is not on good terms with at all. So that's also very important to know. And I'm not giving my opinion on this. I just feel like that this information is very important towards understanding like our relationship, our country's relationship um, to other countries involved in this war and like why. So anyway, I just thought I would share that. Okay, so this basically concludes uh, this week's episode of Rat Talk. So thank you guys so much for listening in. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I'll see you all next week. I actually have, oh wait, shoot. I almost forgot. I am pretty sure next week I'm going to do the um, correlation between obesity and the food industry. And I'm really excited for that topic because that's always been something that's really interested me. Um, But I'm not exactly sure. Schedules may change. So I'll keep you guys updated on Instagram. Um, If you don't follow, it's at Marlo, M-A-R-L-O dot Friedland, F-R-I-E-D-L-E. L-A-N-D. I almost felt, spelled my last name wrong. Okay, anyway, so um, definitely I'll make sure to give updates on that, and I'll see you guys soon. Peace out.